this is Pictish Trail. No, I'm Pictish Trail. No, this is Pictish Trail. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Lost, Lost Map, Map Podcast. podcast. <laughs> Melody something by Pictish Trail. Melody something. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it was Melody something, yes. By me, Pictish Trail, me, me, Pictish Trail, one of my Ooh. one of my songs. You're listening to my voice, Pictish Trail. You're also listening to the voice of Laura Doherty. Hello. Welcome to the Lost Map Podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast from Lost Map Records, an independent record label based between the Isle of Egg and the Hebrides, and the city of Edinburgh in Edinburgh. The city of Edinburgh in Edinburgh. A lot of, most of the work gets done up here on Egg. Would you say that's true? I do most of the hard graft. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, do. you're the boss. Uh, yeah, if you want me to say that, yes. Yeah, I want you to say that. 100%. True. Good. <laughs> well, we've cleared that up. Well, we're quite, I mean, we are busy. We've got loads on. This month, we've got a jam packed edition of the podcast. Got lots happening. We've got featuring the latest in our post map club releases. What else have we got? We've got a chat with Craig Angus and Beth Chalmers for Savage Mansion about their brand new album, Golden Mountain Here I Come, mm-hmm. and a very special first gig, worst gig from comedian James Acaster. Oofed. What an episode. Possibly our most star studded episode yet. Mm. On account of the fact that it's got James Acaster in it and no other stars. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exciting. And yet, even more exciting. Well, Ooh. possibly, maybe not more exciting, but exciting news continues. An equal level. Equal level of exciting. An equal level of excitement is that we've got an event to announce to you today. <gasps> you just heard Pictish Trail. That was me at the start of the show. And we're putting on an event on the Isle of Egg in the month of July called Pictish Trail's Island Family Gathering. Ooh. It's sort of a new version of Howlin' Fling for 2022. Howlin' Fling is our, is our festival that we put on every so often. But it's been quite a few years since we did one. 2019. 2019 yeah. yeah so i figured let's not go back full bells and whistles because i've i don't know about you laura but i've completely forgotten how to put on a festival lost our belts lost our whistles don't know where they are yeah they've gone away <laughs> three three years where have they gone not sure one belt perhaps one whistle festival if found if you do find our bells and whistles <laughs> please send in a stamped address envelope to lost my records I love it. oh is it bells and whistles i thought it was belts <laughs> Did you actually think it was belts and whistles? Well, we've all discovered something. Well, we discovered you're an idiot. I think <laughs> I was thinking belt, belt, a combination of belts and braces and <laughs> belts, belts and whistles. Bells and whistles. <laughs> it's bells and whistles. The, I mean, yeah. rest assured, there won't be any bells and whistles at this event that we're putting on in July, unless we invite some fucking Morris dancers or something. <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, which could happen. So yeah, we thought we'd come back with a show that wasn't quite the full belts and whistles. <laughs> belts and whistles sounds like a sadomasochistic sort of event. <laughs> That's a totally different event. Very different vibe. That's the next weekend. <laughs> We're putting on an event called Island Family Gathering. It's taking place on the Isle of Egg on Friday the 1st and Saturday the 2nd of July 2022. On the first night, there's going to be a big homecoming party. We're going to have a big sort of Hebridean-style knees-up on the Friday night. And then all day Saturday, there's going to be live bands and DJs headlined by yours truly, Pictish Trail. Well, that sounds good. It does sound good. I'm excited about it. When will the tickets go on sale? Well, tickets go on sale on Saturday, March 5th at 12 mm. noon. Um, priced at 80 quid, which I think is a fairly good deal for a weekend of musical fun. Postmap club members will get first dibs at the tickets in a pre-sale, which will take place on Friday, March the 4th. If you're a subscriber, you'll receive an email about that. And if you're not a subscriber, well, you should sub- sub- you should subscribe. You should sub- 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 subscribe. <laughs> you should what? You should subscribe to Postmap Club. But Laura, the question is, what what is Postmap Club? Postmap Club. Postmap Club, 
is our monthly membership club in which we send you two or three postcards in the post at the start of every month. These printed postcards contain download codes linking you to the new releases from the label featuring brand new singles, exclusive tracks, remixes, rarities, live sessions, all from the Lost Map Collective. When you sign up the first time you'll get a bumper pack of postcards along with a membership badge. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Postmap Club members get access to exclusive content like live stream gigs and sessions, a monthly newsletter from Who Pictures Trail. That's me. <laughs> exclusive merchandise, a reusable discount code to giving you 15% off anything in our web shop, 10% off anything in our band camp. And as we've already mentioned, Postmap Club members get first dibs on tickets for our island family gathering this July on Egg. There you go. Postmap Club is a nice way for you to support what we do as a label. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like the music that you hear, then you should join the club. There are currently three tiers of membership, starting at just £3 a month. All three tiers get exactly the same stuff. The only difference is that if you pay more, you get a slightly bigger badge. We also have a digital-only subscription and an annual gift membership option. If you'd like more info on how to become a member or purchase a gift membership, you can find out more by going to lostmap.com forward slash club. You totally nailed that. That was really professional. Thank you. That almost sounded like, have you ever done any sort of in-flight announcements? Not officially. It had the same, not officially. (laughs) It had the same cadence as an in-flight attendant would have. Do you feel secure that I can tell you where the emergency exits are for Postmap Club? What? How to cancel? How to cancel your subscription? Do not cancel your subscription. Absolutely (laughs) not. There are no exits. There is no little slide. (laughs) Keep your heels on. You're not going anywhere. Nobody needs oxygen. We'll just all have a nice sleep together in post-map club forever. That'd be a good way to go out, I think, in horrific plane crash with other lost map, post-map club members. We'll see what we can do. Maybe 2023. Thankfully, there's no way of getting a plane to egg, so that wouldn't happen for our (laughs) island family gathering. (laughs) What's in the post-map club this month. Johnny. Oh, wouldn't you like to know? I would like oh, to know. Oh, you would like to know. Well, in the yeah. Postmap Club <laughs> mailbag this this month, we've got three postcards. Ooh. The first of which is by my good friend Susan Bear. Bloody love Susan Bear. Now, you might not be familiar with Susan Bear because you might not have heard that name expressed to you in that manner before. No. <laughs> Susan Bear formerly made music under the name Good Dog and She's recorded this new album over lockdown and in the interim has discovered that there's a lot of other artists (laughs) called Good Dog. (laughs) And so, like a good dog, she's changed her name to a good bear, Susan Goodbear. Actually, it should have been Good Bear, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Is it too late? It is too late. I'll just go and get a Sharpie and change the postcards. Well, Susan Bear, anyway, a.k.a. Good Dog, has made some new music and uh, the first taster of which you can get in this month's Postmap Club mail-out. And uh, we'll give you a little clip just now. A little, of a the, little clip. little clip of the, the first single from her new record. This is a track called M6.
just heard Susan Bear M6, what I like to think is a lovely multi-layered ode to having a nice lie down. That comes out on March 7th. Postmap Club members can hear it now. And it will come with a lovely cover of Martha Fionn's Someone Who Cares, which will be a little treat for anyone who caught the session last summer with Beth and Suze playing in Martha's band. If we can all cast our minds back to that glorious summer of I want to say it was 2021, but part of me thinks it was 2020. It was 2020, which seems bizarre yeah. that it was two years ago. What's happened? Time just what has happened? does not exist. Well, the track M6 is taken from a forthcoming album from Susan Bear, which we'll be revealing more details of later on this month. And mm. Postmap Club members will be able to get 15% off the purchase of the vinyl. We've also got news on another album coming out on Lost Map. We're about to hear a track from Gordon McIntyre, whose debut solo album we'll be releasing later on in the year. It's called Even With The Support Of Others. And yeah, you're about to hear a clip now of the opening track from that, which is in this month's Postmap Club. It's a track called Tiny Marks. You only left a tiny mark But you left it on my heart I always thought that it would go But sometimes tiny things can grow First there was droplets in my blood And then the air within my lungs And then my feet would only go Down streets that you and I had known You only left a tiny mark you left it on my heart I could ignore it for a while But like a flower in the wild There are branches in my skin And they break out and let the light in And there are branches everywhere And they break through and find the night air You only left a tiny mark you left it on my heart And I tried to make it go But that just made it grow and grow You only left a tiny mark That's Gordon McIntyre with Tiny Marks. I actually think that would be a lovely postcard to send to somebody that you fancy and maybe they've got under your skin, especially if their name is Mark, maybe, and they're tiny. Do you know any tiny marks? I was just trying to think then. Any t- any small marks, tiny marks. I can't think of any tiny marks that I know. <laughs> Do you know any tiny marks? In the name of research, I googled how tall Mark Hamill is. He was the only mark I could think of. So 5'9". Mark Hamill's 5'9". Quite tall, In I would space say. Boots. That is quite tall, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still on the hunt for a tiny mark to send a postcard to. If you have a tiny mark in your life, please send us an email, club at lostmap.com, with a picture of said minuscule mark. <laughs> <laughs> no dick pics. Um, you've heard tracks there from Gordon McIntyre and Susan Bear, both of which have postcards out this month as part of Postmap Club. There is another postcard to come which we will reveal later on in today's episode. Up now, we're going to speak, well, we're going to hear from our good friends Craig Angus and Beth Chalmers, both of whom play in the Glasgow-based band Savage Mansion. I say Glasgow-based, but Beth has actually moved up to Oban now. 
Spoilers. Spoiler, yeah. Sorry, you'll hear all about it in this interview. <laughs> Savage Mansion here. They've just released their new album, Golden Mountain, Here I Come, on Lost Map Records. It came out on the 25th of February. It's available to purchase now on Gatefold Vinyls. Really beautiful. Ooh, um, you can get it from the Lost Map web shop or from our Bandcamp. And Postmap Club members will, of course, get a special discount. And they're on tour with me throughout March and April. So without further ado, let's have a listen to an interview and some clips of music from Savage Matches. Hi, this is Craig Angus from the band Savage Mansion from Glasgow. I'm in my flat, I'm looking out at the rain. I hear there's a storm coming. I hear the trains are going to be off. It's a Tuesday and I've got a nice wee routine on a Tuesday where I do a bunch of creative work until the afternoon and then I go to the cinema by myself. But today, I don't think I'll do that. I've also just remembered it's actually a Wednesday, so... God... (laughs) Anyway, I won't be leaving the house. Hello, my name is Beth. I play the keyboards in Savage Mansion. I am currently in Oban, having moved here three days ago into this tiny wee flat on my own, not really knowing anyone in the area. So you've caught me at a funny old time. (laughs) But today I went out to see Storm Dudley, absolutely raging, raging seas, big crashing waves, glorious. And I met a new friend and we did a pub quiz and we did really badly, but it was nice. You know, it was nice to have a conversation with another human being in my new home. So that's what I did today. I started writing songs for Savage Mansion when my old band Poor Things split up. I was living in Perth at the time, which is also the time I grew up in. Like, I didn't want Poor Things to stop playing, really. I, I loved doing that. We were kind of working on a second record at the time, and, like, I wasn't really happy to stop playing music. So it just kind of was an excuse for me to try and get playing again. And I think within a few months, we'd done a gig. So it all happened quite quickly. The current iteration of Savage Ranch, well, it's five-piece now. Lewis replaced Taylor, Taylor Stewart, Romeo Taylor, just around the time the first album came out. Taylor kind of was going off to focus on his doing his own thing, which has worked out pretty well for him. And he still kind of gets involved with us. He still plays on the new record. Beth came in because in the process of making Weird Country, we used a lot of piano and keyboards because we were trying to do like a kind of Wilco, whole steady bar band thing in places. And we had Seth, our friend Seth, who plays in Black Midi played a lot of the keys and synth on that record. Beth is a friend of the band. She's done loads of stuff with us before. We've played together in Martha Fionn. So it made a lot of sense for Beth to come in. And it's been great, really. So I've been in Savage Mansion for quite a while now, but um, because of the old pandy, I haven't played many shows with the group. Probably only three or four now. But yeah, I have been in the band for about two and a half years. We did, however, spend a few weeks in a recording studio called Chime, making a record which was truly beautiful and momentous. 
Weird Country came out in April 2020. I think the day it came out, I went to Asda and had to queue for an hour and a half to get into Asda. It was peak, like, lockdown. <laughs> it was a shit time to put a record out. That album had been recorded for so long before that point. It was like a year before we'd gone to record it. So it, it was old to me already. <laughs> and then but the pandemic just killed my relationship with it, completely stone dead. I just had no interest in, like, listening to it. I had no interest in thinking about gigging it. I needed something to do to kind of keep myself busy because I obviously, like most of us, weren't wasn't working. And this is what happened. We ended up just writing these songs. I just kind of got to work. I was doing a lot of writing every day. I was doing some free writing sort of exercises with my friend Maria, the poet Maria Sledmere, and just trying to like find an angle for a new record and hoping that we could go and do that again soon. We started rehearsing tracks from it in like the sort of second half of twenty, second half of twenty twenty. Craig wrote an amazing bunch of songs and he brought them to a studio space called Chime which we love dearly such a great wee space run by Russ McGowan who is a brilliant engineer who recorded the album we spent a long time hashing out arrangements of these songs tried out loads of stuff pretty different for me I mean my experience of Savage Mansion is you know it's not vast I'd only played a couple of gigs learning the old songs so this was a new experience for me and kind of the music I've played previously has been pretty folky or poppy. So it was just really nice to rock out a wee bit because I've never really done that. You know, standing up, playing the keyboards, very rock and roll. It differs from the other LPs, I think, in that we took time to figure out what was the right vibe for a song. We took time to figure out the parts, whether they fitted, whether the song was too fast, too slow, what the keyboard sound it required was, whether it required like a, a jaggier bass sound or something smoother. Like all those little details we really considered. And quite early on, I, I just decided just to not worry too much about the demos I'd done. In the past, you can get quite easily attached to, to those. It just made sense to me just to kind of let it go where people took it. And there are a few different songs in the record. Like Life More Abundant was a completely different song. Sort of Jamie and Andy brought on that kind of swing and lead part that really just changed it. And that, you know, they've all kind of evolved in that way. The first couple of records were recorded super quickly. Like Revision Ballads was like a weekend. Weird Country was five days all in. This was great because we had 10 days and we didn't feel rushed. We were like working in the same way we normally do and that we tried to play live. Live takes of the tracks even. It was efficient in the same way it was, but it just felt like a little less pressure on it. Like it was good just to be able to do it in quite a relaxed way. And I think it kind of was quite fun to make. We all got on really well. The joy of reconnecting with those people, you can hear it on the record, I think. The whole thing was just a very positive experience. It was a very, it was a wee bright light in a very crappy time, which is why I love that record so much. I mean, obviously, because the tunes are great too. The first song that kind of got it going was Jesus is Pale. I, I think I was having a real Dylan phase for like, I mean, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan anyway, but for like 18 months or so, I was really deep into it. I didn't listen to much else. I was reading all sorts of stuff and I got really into the how Highway 61 was constructed as an album, how it was named after a road that winds through America, which is a good way to make it about that country at that point in time. And I just got quite into the idea of the destination being the centre of the album in a way. 
Uh, I worked in Waterstones in Glasgow and one of my colleagues had put me on to Donald Barthelme and I think I might have read about Golden Mountain mentioned in passing at some point in one of those stories of his. He's a short story writer. I just kind of liked the idea of it and I used it as a placeholder for a while. It first appeared in that song, Now Climbing Golden Mountain in Jesus' Pale. We almost decided quite early on we were going to call the album Golden Mountain Here I Come and that we bookend it with with that being the first and last line (laughs) and uh, use it as a kind of way to explore all the stuff we were exploring before but I think the focus is a little tighter this time. I'm really happy with the lyrical content of it. Um, It's definitely the music I've been happiest with of any I've ever made and that's a big part of it. weather oh great way tune <laughs> uh, it always makes me laugh because craig never writes a chorus that is the same every time changes every time and for my brain not good so i, I always have a wee cheat sheet for football weather because i just like i can just can't remember how to play it ever which is a great tune i uh, i recently got into football been playing football for like eight months now pretty good i can now you know i've got like a new affinity with football weather it's um a song that I get now because I play football in weather. Yeah, that's all. I think that's all I've got to say about football weather. Love it, great tune. It's it's just like a, it's just another banger. It's just really fun to play, fast paced. I stand up and play the keyboards, baby. There's No Love is another favourite song of mine, There's No Love, Delete Yourself. I think the main thing with this was, it was the the first part where I really noticed that Sweet Babu had contributed something incredible to this record. He was someone Johnny Lynch put us in touch with. They know each other quite well. He plays some great music himself as Sweet Babu, as group listening. He's played with Kate Le Bon, with Aldous Harding. We just felt like there was a great opportunity to put some sax and some clarinet on this record and it just happened that he can play both of those instruments really well so it made sense we had a couple of zoom meetings where we listened back to the album and sort of hummed parts at each other and then he just started recording these bits and sending them over to us and it was this song in particular i love the clarinet part on it sounds so strange in the chorus it's, it really twists your ear it gets better every time you hear it i think and it's a real pleasure to work with him on this and uh, i thank him so much for his contributions
favourites from the record. It's the last track on the album. The first lyric that's sung in the, on the album is Golden Mountain, here I come, in Life More Abundant. And then the song, Golden Mountain, is just a nice wee bookend, you know? But it's a bass line that Jamie had been playing around with for a really long time. And it's just got like a really nice repetitive lilt about it. I get to do some whaley vocals, which is definitely my vibe now. I got to play the Rhodes at Chime, which is always a treat. It's such a beautiful sounding keyboard. Yeah, just love it. The ballad, you know? Crucible was the last song we wrote for the record. It came together like so quickly. We were rehearsing at 12. I was at my desk at 10 and by half past 11, the whole thing was done. I'd written the whole song. Those songs are always total gifts. They're not hard work <laughs> or maybe they're the result of some hard work you've been doing behind the scenes, but they, the actual kind of creation of it just happens so naturally. And again, it's definitely my favourite song on the record. I love Andrew's guitar line. It's a legitimate James Brown influence on this song just I love listening to that song every time I hear it I'm happy to hear it and it's my favourite one to play as well like of the gigs we've done so far that's been the point in the set I've looked forward to the most and it'll be in the set for the entire tour every night it's just fun like my vocal part is like some B-52 whiny thing that I do yeah and I just absolutely love making those weird noises into a microphone very fun thing for me to do um, and my keyboard part sounds like a bus horn so that's also great Coming plans. Well, we're on tour for like most of March, April, and May, which is really exciting for us because we've not been able to do that with the last two records. When Revision Ballads came out, Catholic Action were still pretty active. We did three gigs the weekend that came out, and we didn't do much after that, really, which was a shame. Weird country again, the pandemic just kind of hit right as we were planning to go and do things. So, the big thing for us is we're doing these shows. We're away with Pick This Trail, which we can't wait for from the 22nd of March till start of April. Then we've got a few headline shows of our own, including a big one in Glasgow. We're looking forward to it. Stereo. Bass Jan are coming up for that. And Babe, the Belly Buttons, one of our favourite bands from the old days, are reforming again for one night. So that'll be really good fun. I just cannot wait to play these songs live. I mean, we have done a couple of wee gigs, but this tour feels very important and I just can't wait. It's going to be great to hang out with Pictish Gang. I just think it's going to be good vibes. And I guess in terms of writing, I mean... We're kind of starting the process of arranging some new songs. Let me tell you, it's all happening for Savage Mansion. I've also just broken my arm. So yeah, we'll see how that goes for the tour. Hopefully, hopefully I'll have all my, my strength and my power back. But what it does mean is that I don't have to drive at all. Which, I mean, I'm desperately glad about, but also 
a little bit sad about because we're getting an electric van, which is very exciting and also a bit daunting because <laughs> it could definitely result in like quite a lot of disasters. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, stay tuned to the Savage Mansion Twitter. We'll, we'll post electric van updates on how many times we run out of power on the M6. was Jesus is Pale by Savage Mansion, taken from their album Golden Mountain Here I Come, which is out now on Lost Map Records. As mentioned earlier, Postmap Club members get a 15% discount on the vinyl if they purchase from our web shop. They're on tour as well throughout March and April with Pictish Trail, and that's me, and then they've got their own headline shows happening throughout May as well. Did you enjoy that chat, Laura? Oh my god, I love them. They're so much fun. This tour is going to be the best time. I'm very envious. I wish I was there. I could hear Beth talk about football all day, to be honest, and that is saying something. I'm not a football fan. I'm not a football fan, so I'm glad I'm not going to be in their tour van. I don't want to. <laughs> Particularly since it's, a, yeah, the tour van's going to be electric. That will be interesting. Looking forward to those updates, to be honest. 
I suspect that I'll probably have to pick them up at <laughs> a service station on every leg of the journey, but we'll, <laughs> we'll soon find out. Cool. Yes, thank you to Craig and Beth for doing that interview. Up next, we've got our regular feature, first gig, worst gig. And I say it's a regular feature, but this month's episode is fairly irregular because we've got an actual mm. celebrity on, an actual star. I, I do have to ask, how, Johnny, have you managed to enlist your friend James Acaster into doing, you know, the, the regular a favourite segment on the show? How have you, why, why? Why has he done it? <laughs> I paid him loads of cash. <laughs> Please come on my podcast. No, I've known James for a long time and uh, we've toured together back in the day and kept in touch and he's a very good dude. Probably the finest comedian of his generation, I would say. Mm. Also just a massive music fan. And yeah, recently I reached out to him and asked if he would be up for taking part in a music video, which we've just released. You can watch it now. If you have eyes, you can watch this, the music video <laughs> for the Pictish Trail song, It Came Back, which features James Acaster as a cynical podcast interviewer. Hmm. And yes, we invited him on to take part in this month's first gig, worst gig, knowing that he's a big music fan. He's actually making an album at the moment. Um, not sure if I'm allowed to reveal that, but <laughs> <laughs> he is. And yes, in first gig, worst gig, he's going to tell us about the first gig that he attended as a punter and the very worst gig he's ever performed himself. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. First kick, worst kick. Hello, first kick, worst kick. James Acaster here, giving you my first gig and my worst gig. I'm currently hula hooping right now, so that sound, if you can hear it in the background, that's... That's a hula hoop going around my body. That's not like a bed creaking. I'm not doing anything underwater. Just want to get that out of the way. I'm strapped for time. I've got to record first gig, worst gig while I'm hula hooping. That's my life. First gig I ever attended as a punter. I was 15 years old. It was the year 2000. It was at the Cambridge Corn Exchange. It was Bush, supported by Cyclefly. I remember... This is like, wait, I don't, this doesn't happen much anymore for me. But when I was at the age where I was so into every single band who were in Kerrang! or Metal Hammer or any of those magazines, like any band who appeared in it, I was into every single one of them. So most likely, if a band were touring that I liked, they were being supported by another band that I liked. So it just seemed amazing every time, like... I was just so excited to be like, oh, because at the time, Razorblade Suitcase was like the album I'd been most excited about getting for my birthday that year. It'd been released many years before, but, you know, I was, whatever, 15, just discovered them, really wanted to get swallowed, um, really excited about getting Razorblade Suitcase. This was like for their next tour, I think. You know, the, the one that had chemicals between us on and stuff like that. Um, and then Cyclefly were this band that I was mainly into just because the singer wore these PVC suits and had red dreadlocks and was kind of really bendy. Oh, that's a cool band. <laughs> I remember reading a three-star review of them in Rock Sound and thinking, 
yeah, that sounds like the kind of thing I'd like. So I went to see him. I remember getting really close to the front for Cyclefly, touching Declan O'Shea when he jumped into the audience, touched his bare, sweaty body. And I mainly remember with Bush, then playing Swallowed, and me feeling like it was the greatest moment of my life. And then I went home and I wrote a, like a full review of it in uh, one of my notebooks that I'd swiped from school so that I could do my own creative writing at home. And I wrote a full review of the gig. Uh, and I found to do that for every gig I ever went to. And I didn't. I did it for that gig. I did it when I went to see Kay and My Vitriol at Bedford Esquires later that year. And I think I even did it when I went to Red in 2000 for one day, uh, where again, you know, this will never happen again. The full lineup on the main stage, I loved every band. That will never happen to me again. Um, <laughs> mainly because I'm a bit more discerning now, maybe, but it was, a pretty, it was a pretty lush day. If you weren't at the final day of Red in 2000, it was, if I remember rightly, My Vitriol, then K, so, I mean, already seen them, but whatever. Great to see them again. Super Suckers, A, Blink-182, Daphne and Celeste, the two songs before they got bottled off. feel bad nowadays that that happened. Um, Rage Against the Machine, stand by that one. Actually, I also stand by Blink-182, and K, and my virtual... Yeah, fuck you. You know what? (laughs) It's only Super Suckers and A so far. Um, (laughs) Then it was Slipknot. Uh, then it was Placebo, then Stereophonics. Tom Jones came on for the encore. Don't mind if I do. Anyway, that's my whole first year of gigs. But very sentimental about it still, so I talked for longer. Worst gig I have had as a uh, performer. I mean, I've spoke about a lot on podcasts. Every time I get asked worst gig, I say it was the gig that I did at Felfoot Sounds when I was just starting out as a comic. And uh, they just had a music festival that had a curfew imposed on them. So they moved the comedy from being on its own off in the woods to being the main thing at the end of the festival. And all of the punters who were on a variety of drugs all thought that the music had been cut short so that we could do our comedy. They didn't think it was the police putting a curfew on the festival. So they were really angry at us. And they threw stuff at us and we didn't have a microphone. (laughs) And they were on this big hill above us. And then at one point, a guy who had been telling me to suck his dick throughout my entire set, uh, came and asked to do a joke himself. I let him do it. He went on stage. He told a disgusting joke. They hated him. I went on stage to get him to come off stage. He asked to do one more joke. I let him do one more joke. And his joke was to pull his trousers and pants down, expose his penis, get booed even more, and then try and make his penis look more impressive by masturbating on stage. I was still on stage at this point. And then a woman who was dressed as a dog ran down from the top of the hill, leapt on stage, clotheslined this guy who was wanking, took him down, started slapping him back and forth across the head while he carried on masturbating. And then they turned the lights off and that was the end of the festival. And I always say that that was my worst gig. But the reason why I say it was my worst gig is because it's the most entertaining story when it's not rushed and I'm not hula hooping. So I always tell that when people say worst gig because I'm in a podcast situation. To be honest, it wasn't my worst gig. It was fucking funny for me, <laughs> even though the gig went extremely badly. It was memorable. I don't. I didn't come away going, "Oh man, worst gig I've ever had." Worst gigs I've ever had are like me <laughs> performing to nothing, just silence, and it's just really humiliating. And I've had a lot of them. 
And I'd say the worst one, genuinely, the gig that if you, you couldn't pay me enough money to go back to it, was when I, for a very short amount of time, ran a new material night in Kettering, but I'd moved to London at this point. So I used to run a gig in Kettering when I lived there, stopped that gig, moved to London. Then I needed to do new material gigs, get my Edinburgh material in shape. I thought I'll set one up in Kettering. They'll be nice to me. I'm a hometown boy. Set one up in a little coffee shop. So very informal. Bought comedians from London to come and do it. And uh, I think the first two... It's very difficult, like it, you know, just wasn't really working very well. You tend not to go around doing new material, you know, once a month in uh, in towns that, that are used to getting, you know, fully proper finished shows. And then you turn up going, this is new and might not work. Well, what do you expect's going to happen? But instead of kind of having that attitude, I just kind of got quite annoyed that the Ketman people were letting me down, which they weren't. And then I forget the third one, it just been pretty quiet all night. And all of my bits as the compare, because I was, I was comparing it so that I could do more new material than everyone else. All those bits were going bad. So I was repeatedly going on between every act and doing badly. And there were people in the audience who I recognised from, you know, from seeing at the pub growing up or whatever. So these people knew me. <laughs> and uh, they vaguely knew me rather than knew me really well. So that's worse, you know, when they kind of know you. Uh, your friends, your close friends, they'll forgive you. They'll just laugh about it with you. People who kind of know you, they're going to go around and tell everyone how shit you were at the coffee shop. I was feeling really embarrassed. And I decided in my head, oh, I won't do these anymore. But instead of just letting the gig finish and leave and then contacting the guy who owned the coffee shop and saying, oh, I think we won't do any more of them, I decided that I should probably tell them on stage. So at the end of the night... When the, first, when the final act had finished, I went on to wrap up. Thanks for coming, good night. But also wanted to say to them, we're not going to do these anymore. And instead of kind of going, yeah, even at this point, it was savable. I could have gone, guys, you know, we were only ever going to do three. That's the last one. Thanks for coming or something like that. Instead, I was like, and I wasn't, also in my head, I was like, can't get angry at them. Don't shout at them. Um, or don't, don't say to them, like, look, we're not doing these because you're, you're a shit audience. <laughs> I didn't even do that. I tried to be nice about it and balance. It was more eggy. So I was like, hey, guys, so I think we're probably going to stop doing these because, you know, it's not like London where they have loads of new material nights. They're used to seeing new material. You're not really used to seeing it here. So, like, it's not really fair. As soon as you phrase it like that, oh, my God, it's like, oh, you absolutely coming across. Like, and I probably was like this. You know, local boys moved to London and now thinks that London's better than Catherine and... <laughs> Uh, Ketman can't do what London does. Oh, it's not like London. And I just fucking, I tied myself in knots going on for ages, doing this really awkward explanation to them as to why we weren't going to do the gigs. Oh, it's, not, it's not your fault, guys. You're just not really used to seeing this kind of comedy. You're not used to seeing comedy when it's in this shape. So I think it's best that we just leave it from now on. Um, look, I appreciate you coming, but I just don't think this is going to, you know, bringing comics all the way from London to come here. Kevin, the amount of times I said London, absolutely humiliating and like as soon as I, as I was saying it I was like this is the worst moment I've ever had on stage like, what what are you saying like stop talking you know got to the end of it no one applauded obviously just I walked off in silence they all shuffled out feeling like they've been told off and shamed by this local kid who'd moved to London and now thinks he's a big shot 
and my friend David Trent, uh, he had been on last, and you know because it was new material, he had recorded his set, so we could listen back to it later. But he recorded it like on a camcorder at the back, and uh, he just forgot to stop it, so it just carried on recording while I was doing that monologue at the end. And he says he assures me he still has it now. So on the night, he said to me, that recorded all of that. And I said, was it as bad as I felt felt like it was? It was, yeah, it was really awkward, really eggy, really bad. And he said, I won't won't play it to you now, but let me know when you're ready to watch it. And I'll let you watch it. And I'm still not ready. He's still got it. And he still says to me, whenever you're ready, let me know. Because it's funnier. (laughs) The longer it goes on for, the longer he keeps it. He's let me know. Let me know when you're ready to watch it. But I am not ever ready to watch that. I would sooner watch any other gig I ever did than the one where I came across like some uh, holier-than-thou, high and mighty, thinks he's better, thinks he's too good for the gig prick. So that would be the one. (laughs) That is my worst gig. Just hands down. James A. Caster there with his first gig and worst gig, a little bit of hula hooping and a whole lot of cringe. We actually <laughs> got our hands on, on that very video of his worst gig and we're going to release it as a post-map exclusive. So thanks very much to David Trent for sending that in. And if you want to relive the sheer horror, you know where to go. Lostmap.com forward slash club. <laughs> I'm sure James will appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we should point out just for legal reasons, none of that is true. Or do we, maybe we don't need to point that out. Thank you so much for listening to the Lost Map podcast. Thank you, Laura, for joining me on today's episode. Thanks for having me again. Always a delight. Always a delight. We've got one more bit of music to play for you at the end of today's show. It is the third and final postcard in this month's Postmap Club mail-out. This is a track from Alexia Avina. It's a track called Human. And it's taken from a new album that we're going to be releasing at the end of April called A Little Older. Again, Postmap Club members will be able to pre-order that at a special discount price. And um, it's really exciting, actually, to be able to put out her music so quickly and not have to Mm. wait for vinyl manufacture to happen and all that sort of stuff. She's recorded so much stuff recently. Like, she sent me about three albums worth of stuff at the end of last year, and she's working on a fourth album just now. And all of it is really excellent so yeah you'll be hearing a lot more from alexia over the course of this year in fact if you happen to pick up tickets for the previously mentioned pictish trails island family gathering you might see someone who looks very very similar to alexia vina performing at that event but that's all dependent on whether planes are going at that point lost map airlines is active at that point i'm not sure if it will be (laughs) i mean from the Previous reviews, probably best if we don't get it up and running. So. <laughs> if you'd like to join Postmap Club, please visit lostmap.com forward slash club. There are three tiers of membership and all three tiers get the same shit. Except if you pay more, you get a slightly bigger badge. Thanks for listening. I've been picked this trail. I'm on tour throughout March and April. Please come to the shows. The tour starts secretly on the 19th of March with a secret, <laughs> secret gig. 
don't tell I anyone. I can't tell anyone about <laughs> at the Hug and Pint that Pictish Trail is definitely playing at, but I cannot tell, I cannot reveal that publicly, despite the fact that I am now <laughs> revealing that publicly. It's just our little secret. Just our little secret. You can purchase tickets in advance from the Lost Map web shop. Okay, is that too much plugging? Probably is. Thank you to Joe Cormack for editing today's podcast. We've not quite worked out how we're going to do next month's podcast because I'm going to be on the road. So stay tuned. Let's see what the hell happens. <laughs> and we'll catch you next time on the Lost Map Podcast. Here is Alexia Avina. Mm-hmm.